You're listening to Ingenuism's Silicon Valley Examined, where we delve into how the tech industry is helping create progress at the speed of thought. I'm Dom Watkins. With me, as always, is Robert Hendershot. All right, you're on. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's good to be here. So a couple of weeks back, we did a podcast about the moral foundations that might unite a progress movement. This was inspired by a um, workshop that Jason Crawford from Roots of Progress and Greg Samieri from um, the University of Texas at Austin put together. And you actually went to the conference, I guess, last week. And so I wanted to chat about just thoughts that came out of it, um, starting with maybe just set a little context for what was it that you attended? Sure. So this is a conference at the University of Texas um, organized by the Salem Center at the University of Texas and uh, Jason Crawford's uh, Roots of Progress. I think we've we've uh, interviewed or you've interviewed uh, Jason Crawford uh, on the podcast in the past. Um, and uh, they invited uh, uh, quite a few people. There were about 30 people total from generally from the progress movement that are interested in issues around progress, uh, podcasters, bloggers, writers, um, uh, who, who philosophers, uh, quite a few philosophers who are interested in, in the topic of progress. And uh, the theme was, you know, kind of, kind of the, 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 you know, what are the moral foundations of progress? How do we establish moral foundations for progress? Um, and, and what are some of the moral issues relating to progress that kind of need to, need to be addressed? And, and can we come to some kind of uh, agreement about how to address them? And I mean, I, I've talked a lot about how, I mean, the positives, I think, of a progress movement in terms of elevating the issue, in terms of trying to push our policies in a direction of what will promote progress, and at least having a shared goal among people interested in, like, where should we be going as a culture, where what we want is for life to improve as rapidly as possible for, you know, all of the people who are committed to making their lives better. Um and so one thing, you know, if you think about this as kind of a nascent movement or uh, a potential movement, I think these kinds of interactions of bringing people together to focus not just on like what, how do we use technology to solve a particular problem, but like what is even this movement consistent? What should it consist in? Like that phenomenon, I mean, we can come to um, your experience this week and I, I'm be interested in your thoughts about just how important it is for people kind of interested in something like progress to talk amongst themselves and try to flesh out like what are the actual foundations and ideas that are here uniting the movement or that could yeah i mean i i think it's i think it really is important i mean there are a lot of interesting questions there are a lot of questions that um that, that need to be answered that are somewhat philosophical if, uh, with regard to progress. I, I mean, I think the most foundational with regard to the progress movement is, well, what is progress? What do we count as progress? Uh, and how do we measure progress? And uh, so is it just GDP? Well, nobody really thinks it's just GDP. Is it 
well-being, but if it's well-being, who's well-being? How do we measure well-being? Is there an objective measure to well uh, to well-being? Uh, do we want to maximize some total well-being of all people involved? Do we want to maximize the majority's well-being? Do we care if a few people suffer, if a lot of people succeed? Uh, kind of the 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 utilitarian kind of. Uh, approach, you know, there are all kinds of utilitarian approaches, which one. So even when it's just a basic question of what are we trying, what do we care about? What is it that we care about? Um, and, and can we talk about that thing that we care about as it impacts groups versus that as it impacts individuals? And there was a lot of discussion during the weekend about uh, just that, Tyler Cowan, another person who we've interviewed on on um, on the Ingenuism podcast, um, we read some articles by him where, you know, he tries to, you know, one of the questions is if your well-being and my well-being and somebody else's well-being, how do we aggregate well-being? How do we make? How do we look at progress from the perspective of of a of a group? Um, all these issues uh, are complicated, and um, they are multiple answers that people give and there's significant disagreement about them. And some of that disagreement came out. Some of the philosophers are very technical and, you know, gets bogged down in, uh, you know, I think, I think uh, unfruitful discussions about these kind of things. Um, we, so, so yeah, so there was a lot of that kind of discussion and a lot of, uh, a lot of debate about those things. I don't think during the weekend there was any conclusion about that, but there was, there was kind of open discussion about it. I think for the movement, it's important to have a conclusion. What is it that we're trying to advance? Is it just tech? Is it broader than that? How do we measure? What do, when do we know we're successful? And, some people would say you'll know it when you see it, like porn, right? The Supreme Court thing about porn, you'll know it when you see it. And there's a sense in which that's true. But we get a lot of, I think the, the, the progress movement gets a lot of pushback from people who don't quite get it when they see it. And therefore, you know, for example, on the, on the idea that we've had a lot of progress over the last 30 years, there's a lot of conflict around things like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they're academic questions at all, though they can because they're hard to resolve, they can get buried in kind of academic discussions. But if you just think about the difference to take a more extreme example, I mean, there's a way in which even like the no growth movement would say it's for progress, right? Like yep. we're trying to actually get the planet. What we care about is the planet overall. We're trying to get to a sustainable way of life. And that is moral progress. That's environmental progress. Like they, they wouldn't concede necessarily progress. And that's why I think, you know, you have to answer these questions. And I mean, as you say, like, these are not, it's, they're, they're not really new problems. I mean, the problem of how do we, if, if what we want is to maximize utility, how do we aggregate, like, if we took a million dollars from a CEO and gave it to 10 different people, wouldn't that, you know, maximize utility? Like people have been arguing about those issues um, for a long time. I mean, at least yeah. since the 18th century. Yeah, I mean, certainly since utilitarianism became a thing, utilitarianism became a thing. But even before that, uh, how do we maximize? What is it? What is we're trying? Whose benefit are we trying to? Uh, so, a, a significant amount of time during this conference was spent on questions like that. Um, 
unfortunately, I think that once you get caught up in a utilitarian framework, it, 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 it's a never ending kind of debate and discussion because there's no one way to do it. That's why I think we take a much more individualistic framework and uh, and uh, you look at, you know, given human nature, what what maximize well-being for human beings as as individuals. Uh, and yes, some people will make bad decisions in their life. Some people will 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 not take advantage of the opportunities available to them and they will not be dramatically better off. But for the rational um, go-getter who's who's willing to actually invest in their life, how do we create the kind of environment or how do we create the kind of world that allows uh, for progress? So we look at it more from an individualistic perspective, the, the idea being what is the environment that creates it possible for individual progress. But most people out there look at it from a utilitarian perspective and that perspective is one that just leads to endless discussion, arguments, debates, because there's no one objective measure for how to figure that out. And, and this has been the critique of, of utilitarianism since, as you said, since the 19, mid 19th century, certainly. Well, was there discussion then? Because I definitely agree with the idea that progress is a very all encompassing concept that should include things like progress and knowledge, progress in kind of every aspect of human well being. But did you talk about the prospects that maybe for the movement itself being focused on a more on a narrower part of progress? Because I mean, if I recall, like Tyler's argument has been uh, something along the lines of like GDP obviously isn't all we care about, but it's a high leverage thing that's relatively easy to measure. And in general, we know if we're headed in that direction of high growth, life's going to get a lot better for a lot of people. So was there thought about like, all right, look, even if we think that progress is wider, what we really need agreement on is something more specific. I mean, I don't think there was any conclusion to that debate at the end of the day. So we, it's not that we came up with measures we're looking at. I, th I think everybody agrees that broadly economic measures are okay. They, they give us a, a directional uh, impact. Uh, but they're not enough in terms of really measuring this. And how do you measure quality of life or standard of living or things that we have advocated uh, for looking at um, as well? Uh, so I, I think we started, the debate has started, the discussion has started. I don't, I don't think it's been conclusive yet. Uh, I think there's still, um, you know, I think, I think the discussion needs to continue, if you will. Now, I know you've been in, lots of workshops like this with people from all kinds of intellectual backgrounds on all sorts of different topics. I guess one question I would have is, did you find that with this audience, there is more of a shared agreement or something that makes it different than, you know, a, uh, a pre Marxist and uh, an ingenuous sitting down and trying to hash out different issues. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, 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 the general thing that everybody agrees upon is that they're interested in progress, they care about progress, they want to see progress succeed. The generally, there's a certain level of, if you call it optimism about the future, though not always, I mean, there's certainly some, there were certainly some people in the room who have, particularly with regard to AI, have a certain pessimistic view of, um, of AI and and uh, you know where it's heading, uh, the potential for ill, 
if you will. So uh, there is some of that. There's definitely some of that. But yeah, I mean, generally people are, and it's nice to, to be in an audience, that may, to be in a group, not an audience, to be with a group who doesn't necessarily share your philosophy, but shares this idea of um, progress is good, technology generally is good, and human beings are capable of finding solutions to problems. We're not going to get we're not going to get caught up in yeah there are problems but we can figure out solutions. So there's a certain level of optimism, a certain level of of positivism, and 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 a real pro technology. You know, so when you talk about energy with them, they're very pro nuclear. When you talk about uh, other forms of technology, they're, they're generally pro, even if they recognize that there might be challenges associated with certain uh, with certain of the technologies. And so were there any issues that you thought, um, okay, there actually is, I mean, you mentioned kind of shared values and premises, any issues where you thought like real, no pun intended, progress was made in terms of, okay, I think like there's more of a shared understanding coming out than going in. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there was certainly an airing of opinions. I think there was a certain... Um, acceptance and respect for the different perspectives and different ideas that were being presented. Uh, I don't think yet there is something, I mean, there's going to be a write-up on this, so it'll be interesting to see what the person who writes it up pulls from it. But there was certainly, a, 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 there wasn't a sense that we've sold it. Here's, here's the moral foundations of progress. There was a much more of there's some interesting issues here that need to be discussed and, and still hashed out that clearly disagreements within the group and among the people in the group about these things. Um, and, and it requires more work. I mean, one, one of, I mean, there were secessions on things like what are the risks of progress? Again, that's where you get certain disagreements with some people. I, you know, one of the refreshing things was that I didn't get a sense that anybody in the room, in spite of the fact that they were coming from very different perspectives, politically, philosophically, Nobody in the room thought climate change was existential. Um, nobody in the room, um, I mean, the, real, the only one issue that people seemed to think was existential was AI. Uh, and that's because they think that AI is going to become conscious, you know, you're going to achieve the singularity event within the next decade. It's always interesting that it's always within the next decade. Um, but, you know, that to me is, somewhat refreshing that it's not climate change, climate change, you know, because always that seems to be the thing that everybody is is hyping on here. It was much more interesting. Of course, nuclear war was raised given what's going on in in um, in Ukraine. Uh, but but I think that so I think there were interesting discussions about the different risks, uh, what constitutes those risks, whether there are ways in which to handle those risks. There is, there is, for example, right now, uh, uh, AI governance is a big deal. So there are all kind of voluntary groups that are, are getting together uh, and uh, proposing different ways to address real or perceived threats uh, that AI represents. Yeah, which is, I mean, we, we did, you know, recent work on and writing about the kind of um, advances in genetics and in our and in biotech, 
And one yeah. of the things we talked about was the virtues of the scientists involved in terms of thinking about how can we move forward in an ethical way. And so, um, you know, I tend to be an optimist, but nevertheless, uh, you know, I take seriously when the people who really studied AI, I think there's these kind of tail risks we should be concerned about. And I think it's, it's impressive to me that there is as much discussion as there is, there already is about, all right, well, how do we, because they don't tend to just say, stop making progress in AI, but let's take seriously the risks and think about them beforehand. Yeah. And, and yes. And, and then there was discussion about regulatory frameworks and the risk that comes from that, you know, the, the, the guy we've, we've written about uh, the book or talked about the book, permissionless society. And uh, so he kind of led a session about, uh, about issues like that. So that was, uh, um, that was, that was interesting. And, uh, and again, there was, you know, while again, people are coming from different perspectives and different political perspectives on all these things, um, there was certain unanimity about yes, the risks of of bad regulations, the risk of uh, you know ever growing government infringement on certain of these uh, of areas that can create progress, and the lack of progress in certain areas where the government has interfered and hampered uh, that progress. So uh, there was some really good discussions. Again, hard to tell how much if if minds were changed at all but uh, you know these things uh these things evolve and and uh and it was it was it was interesting to see different perspectives on things and it was interesting to see kind of opportunities to have further dialogue so i i certainly walked away with uh, the names of a few people that i think are going to be super interesting to to continue a discussion with about issues relating to progress where we obviously disagree about certain things, but we agree when it comes to, I think, an ingenuism framework, we agree on much more than we disagree. And, and there's a lot of opportunities to collaborate and, and move things forward. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things that, you know, if you think about it, ingenuism is focused on like, what are the processes that lead to progress? Um, those are hard questions, but they're a lot easier to answer. And they're certainly a lot easier to get kind of shared agreement from different perspectives on versus yeah. something like how do we answer a question about what our goal should be, which is and a much more key. philosophic kind of question. Yeah, that's the key. I think it's, it, it really is um, that we can get shared agreement about these things without answering some of the deeper philosophical questions where there's disagreement and they might be disagreements about particular technologies. They might be disagreement about particular explanations, but overall, I think the ingenuous framework is one that uh, cuts across different philosophical perspectives, at least within a band. It, you still have to be pro-human kind of um, within a band. And I think can really, I think it can really contribute to the whole progress movement uh, and, and to the way it thinks about issues and problems and explanations and how you know, how we view uh, uh, progress into the future. So, you know, I'm excited about um, about what we're doing with ingenuism in terms of uh, the contribution we could be making to this uh, to this progress movement. Yeah, and I mean, it's even too early, right, to tell exactly what the impact of a workshop like this is. I recently heard a quote um, from Milton Friedman that I hadn't heard before, but I think is really good. And that he says something like, um, I don't try to 
uh, change people's minds or I don't try to persuade people. I try to give them uh, the ideas with which eventually they'll persuade themselves, which much more captures what really happens, right? Somebody plants a seed and you, particularly if you're a very thoughtful person, changing your mind rapidly would be really weird unless it was just like a very concrete, like, you know, did this person commit this crime and somebody pulls yeah. out a photo? It's something you have to like integrate over time and, and kind of check and recheck. I think so, that's right. I think Milton Friedman was particularly good at that. He, he gave these kind of answers to questions that were very thought provoking that encouraged the person to think within the context of their own life to really, to really evaluate. Um, they, they weren't bromide answers. They were really thought provoking answers. And I think that's what you need to do to really get people to think, to think, to think fresh about ideas. Um, and maybe this is something you've already answered in terms of uh, the opening discussion, but what did you come away with as like, right, this is a really hard problem that, that um, the progress movement's going to have to wrestle with. Would you say that it's the question of sort of defining progress and measuring it? Well, and I think the harder problem is justifying it from a moral perspective. That is, uh, I, I think that conventional morality struggles to uh, present a compelling argument for progress and for the fact that progress results in unequal outcomes and the fact that progress rewards some people differently than others. So the inequality issue, I think, is one that you have to really get a handle on um, morally in order to ultimately be able to convince the world that, that this is a good thing. So again, people kind of intuitively think progress, yeah, that's cool. But then bad philosophers come about and say, well, is it? Uh, look at the inequality it creates, look at all the problems it creates, look at all the disasters, look at all the risks. Um, so I think, I think as long as the progress movement doesn't have a solid, and I think at the end it has to be an individualist-based kind of moral framework to understand progress, it's going to have a hard time convincing its critics. It's going to have a hard time having ultimately political impact, political influence to change kind of the, the, the environment as we talk about indigenuism, you need a positive environment to, to, to achieve growth, to, to, to change that environment by convincing a majority of people that it needs changing. Uh, so, and that's a hard one. It's a, it's a hard, uh, because it's very hard to uproot a conventional morality. You know, I did find the people at the, at the conference were, were, you know, challenged by these issues and these ideas. So, so they, they, they're really thinking about them and these are kind of issues that they, they, are, they are trying to solve and they don't necessarily have the standard kind of egalitarian answer to everything. They're, they're really struggling with how to balance their moral code with their, I, I, you know, the, with, the, with the admiration for technology and progress. And, and I think, I think they're going to continue to struggle and I, I, you know, it, hopefully they, hopefully the, the, the movement solves that problem. I think it's a, it's a really crucial problem too. So I think the other side is how to deal with downside risk. We've talked a lot about it uh, on the Ingenuism podcast and in the Ingenuism uh, uh, letter 
how do you deal with failure? How do you deal with potential catastrophic failure? What about the precautionary principle? Um, I think the movement generally has a, a healthy attitude towards all this, but there's always going to be pressures to uh, moderate and to uh, and, and, and to to overemphasize risk as part of it. Yeah, all that makes sense. I mean, I think, I mean, so one thing though that uh, kind of pushes somewhat in favor of being able to ultimately um, unite around kind of an individualist way of uh, assessing things morally is that at least sort of the kind of implicit, you could put it like metaphysical view of human beings is good. Like the human beings are problem solvers. Our mind is able to develop solutions and achieve knowledge and technologies that are um, good for humanity. And that's kind of like the precondition for having any sort of individualist way of thinking about ethics. Or if you think about like egalitarianism, and as we wrote about in our book, a lot of it is propped up by the idea of, well, the individual is not very able to do very much if they succeed or fail. It's external forces that are um, determining them in some way or another. So I think there's a lot going for the people involved in the movement just by what the kind of perspective that could bring you to such a movement that you think progress is a good thing and that you think human beings are capable of doing it. Uh, that go that's um, let's just put that that's not universal in the culture. No, no not at all. No, no. So, yeah, so, so generally I'm optimistic. It, it'll be interesting to see how the movement grows, the extent to which it can grow, the extent to which it can have influence, how it deals with some of these uh, issues. Uh, and, um, you know, and, and, and whether it can, can convey a message that really gets people excited about progress and, and really gets people excited. I mean, one of the, one of the ways in which we do it with ingenuism is, is really ask the question, well, if it's a generally a pro-human goal, well, progress is the only way to answer the question, right? It, 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 you know, it, you can't, you're not going to solve any problems without ingenuity, without, uh, without people using their minds to figure out interesting solutions to problems. That is the way you do it. And if, and if you're not willing to create an environment that, flood, that encourages in, or, or, encourages ingenuity if you're not willing to allow for things like failure if you're not willing to allow for exploration um and if you and if you you know and you need to allow for connection and if you can do that we can solve pretty much any problem we need to convince people of that optimism but that optimism that belief in our ability to solve problems uh is is real and and uh I, I think is important and is, I think we can convince the better people out there in the culture of that. And, and uh, you know, and it, so Ingenuin just said, if you want to solve a problem, this is the way to solve it. There really isn't any other. I, I you know, we also had a, a session there with uh, Steven Pinker and David Deutsch. Um, they were in video conference. Unfortunately, they weren't there live. And, and they're, they're two very interesting thinkers about progress. They're, they're very interesting figures about, this whole idea of, of can we solve problems? I mean, Deutsch is this almost um, almost metaphysical optimist. It's like optimism is there's no other option. It, it, we have to be an optimist because it's built into what we are and how we succeed. And the idea, his optimism is, is basically the idea there's no 
there's no problem human beings can't ultimately solve if they have the right knowledge and knowledge is attainable. We can't achieve that knowledge. I don't always agree with him on how to achieve that knowledge, but but it's it, it that that fundamental optimism about human reason and its capabilities is refreshing in in a world of pessimists uh, that we seem to live in. And then um, I, you know I think um, uh, Pinka, both in terms of his uh, uh, moral approach, was very refreshing because he did view it as. Uh, the individual life as kind of almost the standard. I mean, you wouldn't use exactly that terminology, but it was very individualistic. And then again, he's very pro-reason, pro-rationality, pro-ingenuity as as the way to solve problems and a way to to advance and to to get us towards progress. So I, I thought the two of them were really interesting contributors and, and generally uh, are doing good work uh, to advance the, the the general cause of progress. Well, great. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, it's a great sign that these like deeper philosophic kinds of discussions are starting to happen and getting a good sense of where there's agreement, where there's disagreement, where there's these kind of hard problems uh, is going to be the precondition to kind of uniting behind any answers. So glad you uh, participated and and hopefully um, people will be putting in more of these. That's it for this week, guys. We'll be back next week. Be sure to go to ingenuism.com to sign up for the newsletter. In the meantime, talk then.